Will you turn your Bible, please, with me to Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1. Hi, Sally. I'm glad you're here with us. Good job. Cuddles. That's wonderful. That's great. Sally, we're glad you're here with us. We're going to come in the Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. When I was a boy, uh, I was sleeping in my, in my room one night, and I had a, um, as a young guy, I would lay in my bed, and I'm talking like five, six years old. I would lay in my bed, and I would pray, and I would sing some songs, and I would go to sleep, and that was kind of my little routine. Um, there were other things, too, involving probably cuddles, bears, and stuff like that, but that's okay. We won't talk about those things. And this one night, I was laying in bed, and I went to sleep, but I woke up, and I felt, um, I felt weird. I felt weirdly cold. And so I'm laying in my bed, and it just something was off. And I noticed I had a shade, one of those blackout shades that kind of comes down, you know? And uh, the shade sort of stuck to the window. Usually it kind of moves a little bit because I had a fan. If you don't have sleep with a fan, I don't know what's wrong with you, but that's okay. So I had a fan, and the fan moved the shade a little bit so you could see the light coming through. Well, it got very dark. It got very dark and very cold, and I was, I was suddenly afraid and nervous. And something was wrong. And so I was looking around, and I was feeling for a flashlight. You know, sometimes you keep a flashlight in you. I didn't have one. I had an alarm clock, and I flipped on the little alarm on so that light came on. A little more extra light. That's what you do. And um, I was laying in bed, and I like to sleep with my feet out. And I f somebody grabbed my foot. And so I felt, I felt fingers, I felt a hand grab my foot. I was terrified. I jumped up screaming, ran out of my room, and I found my dad downstairs, and he was, couldn't figure out what was going on. And I didn't go back to my room for like four days. I was terrified. I couldn't sleep. I slept, uh, my dad made like a little slumber party with me and my brother, and we slept together in my brother's room. And that's, that's I was there for a long time. I couldn't, I couldn't go back, I was terrified. And that was my first ever demonic experience, ever. And so you can say maybe I was, um, you know, G.I. Joe hit me funny that I had in bed with me or something and dreamed the whole thing, whatever, but it was very real and it was multiple days long. And so I had this experience, it was really scary. And I'm telling you about that scary experience because sometimes when we think about spiritual things, uh, there are scary things out there and there's real spiritual warfare that happens, there's real evil presence of things. And we're going to talk about that today, even though that's not popular to talk about. But really what we're going to talk about is the power of God. Because did you know, which I did not understand at six years old, that the power of God, his immeasurable greatness of his power is available and given to you as his child. That you are his and nothing can mess with you. So the, all that demon had was scare tactics. And as I grew up later and having other encounters and things, especially in travels around the world, because in America, uh, demonic things are not as present, let's be honest. But if you go to other places in the world, they're very present. And they're usually about scare tactics for people. They try to oppress people with fear so that they feel uh, the wet blanket of sort of their spiritual life and they don't seek the Lord. What's funny in that, though, is once you understand what God has done and who he is, it changes everything. It changes everything. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1 today, and we're going to read together about the power of God and what he's done. 
Because most of the time when we think about the power of God, especially from movies and things, we think about dynamics of like demons and angels and there's power there. Or we think about becoming a Jedi. So I'm going to move that camera with my mind, or I'm going to be able to do something, or if I had a lightsaber, I'd be really cool. Or Harry Potter, I can cast some kind of spells. If I pray the right prayers, I can make things happen. And I'm here to tell you, that's not how the power of God works. That's not the power of God. You don't get to control God. And all of God's power that's manifested toward us is his grace upon us. Think of it this way. I saw a a picture one time, uh, which surprised me, of... Uh, a match. And so the match was against a wall and the picture was taken. And when you look at the picture of the match, there's a shadow of the matchstick, but there's no shadow behind the light because it is light. So there's no darkness in the light at all. There's no shadow in it because it is light. God is himself and he is powerful and he gives us himself as a means of grace. When he shows up, it feels like power and things that we're doing, but it's him. You can't separate out his power from him. And so if you're trying to control it like a Jedi or like a wizard, you're actually coming to God in a pagan way, which he does not like, instead of in relationship with him because we know him and we feel and see his power because he is with us. It's him. So you don't get to control his power. It's a different thing. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1. Everybody's looking at me like, what are we talking about? (laughs) It will all make sense, I promise. It will be a blessing to you. Trust me. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's start looking at verse 11. This is what Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he is reminding them of the gospel, and really the whole book of Ephesians. If you have uh, time this week, you should read it. It's six chapters long. You could read it every day. You will be blessed as you're looking in Ephesians and hearing about what Paul says. Here's what he says concerning the gospel. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. We're going to read a little chunk here. Uh, that we need some Bible behind us so that we can understand what the Lord is doing. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 says this. In him, that's Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Praise the Lord for his word. We're going to do a little Bible study today. You don't have to talk if you don't want to. This is going to be a little bit more of a lesson than a sermon. Uh, And the reason for that is 
we need to walk in faith in what God is doing. And it, it's, we need to take that, hold of that. Like Mike prayed that the Lord would open our hearts and we'd receive from Christ through it all. Uh, I want you to receive today and I want to answer your questions. What do you notice, though, as we start in this first, this first part, about Paul talking about Jesus Christ? Where is Jesus Christ? Seated with the Father in heavenly places. Do you get the impression that he is powerful or powerless? Powerful. powerful. How do you know? Immeasurable power. He, yes, and he's praying. This is a prayer from Paul to the church. He's praying over the people that they might know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. He's very powerful. And it goes on to talk about Christ far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. For all time, timelessly, he's the Lord over all things. And not only that, but verse 22, what does that say? He put all things under his feet, all things, and gave him as head to who? To you, to the church. The head of the church is ruling over all things. He's, his power is incomparable. You can't approach it. It's amazing to think about what God and his might is. You know, I was working one time as a, a landscaper, and I was digging a hole and uh, there was a bunch of water in the hole in my job. I was a kid, and I was, when I say kid, I was like 17, 18, something like that. And um, it was really a lot of labor and hard job. And the guy that was in charge of me was like, hey, dig all that water out, you know, scoop all the water out. I got to do some work on the stuff in there. And he didn't tell me what was in there. So I laid down on my stomach because I had to reach in the hole, and I started scooping all the water out. And I didn't know that there were live electric wires in there. And so I'm scooping, I'm scooping, I'm scooping, and all of a sudden I thought I'd been bitten by a snake because I felt two sharp things on my arm. And I was straight being electrocuted. And it was not fun. It was not a great experience. It hurt a lot. You know, but we think of electricity, all, like there's electricity all around us right now. You never think about it, it's not a big deal, until you feel the power of it. And then you realize this is not something to be messed with. And God himself created that. His power is far above every name that is to be named for all time. Everything is under his feet. And he's been given to us as the head of us, our church, that we would all cling to him because he loves us. He has saved us. He's given us resurrection hearts. And his power is limitless. Limitless. Isn't that good? It's good news. He's powerful. What is, how does Paul explain the power of God that's been shown to us? Because he tells us that in verse 19, he wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us. According to the working of his great might, verse 20, how, how do we see his great might? That he worked in Christ when? He raised him from the dead. The power of God is not about lifting objects. The power of God is not about giving us winning lottery tickets. The power of God is not about having special knowledge about things. Although, you know what? He can do any of those things. He can do any of that stuff. 
The power of God, though, is demonstrated in raising Christ from the dead. And that's so important because if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then we have no hope in the earth. But the great might and power of God, ready, is better and bigger and stronger and more electric than death. And that is good news. And our king, who has known death, yet now will never die, who is forever seated above all things in all his power, cannot even be touched by death. The one thing that we can't, how can we fight against that? We can fight gravity in airplanes. We can, we can fight time with electricity and light bulbs where we can work into the night. You can change all these things, but that can't get around that one, can we? But Jesus can. Why? Because God's power was demonstrated in his resurrection. That's hugely important to us because we said in verse 11 that we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, that we would be in Christ, that we would receive his Holy Spirit, that we would be his into what Mike told us this morning, resurrection life with him. What I'm going to tell you today is this. God's power is best demonstrated, not over demons, although he has dominion over all demons. God's power is best demonstrated not over nations, although he has dominion over every president or king or queen or anybody over all nations. God's power is best demonstrated not over nature, although he commands nature by the word of his power. That the sun rises and sets because he says so. The tides come in and out because he says so. He controls the wind. He controls all things. And yet... A tornado does not demonstrate God's power so much as resurrection life does. And specifically the testimony of you who have been changed because of the resurrection of Christ, who believe in him and now see God's power given to you, that as Christ was raised to life, by faith we say, Lord, forgive me. I trust in Jesus. And the Bible says he raised you spiritually to life too. That you would be his as a new creation changed by him. And now your changed life, your testimony in him, is the power of God demonstrated every day. Because you used to think this way, but now your mind is transformed and changed to think his way. You used to be a liar and a cheat and a thief, and it was in second nature. And now those things are changed in us. That we demonstrate his kingdom and his life and his rule because his power is exercised through us. And that testimony is a great power. And as an extra bonus, God gives us words of knowledge, speaking in tongues, power over demons, healing. He does all those things. But the changed life is the demonstration in Christ of his resurrection power that demonstrated his great power over all things and the rule of Christ. And we limit what God is doing because we feel like if we don't find that winning lottery ticket, do we even know if he has power to help us? Lord, are you sure? Are you sure? Because my air conditioner went out in my car again. And ah, do you even love me? God's power is demonstrated through life in him and a changed life. And that's what all of the book of Ephesians is about. Let's continue on reading for a minute. Chapter 2, so Christ is head over all things, given to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, which the Bible in chapter 1 has told us now from Ephesians, that's God's plan, that Christ would fill all things. Chapter 2, and you, you, that's us, 
were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which, in, one, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, which were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. How do you go from death to life? It's resurrection. Made us alive. How does that happen? By his power. Together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. Grace means the unmerited favor of God. You didn't merit it. You didn't earn it. It's unearned favor of God given to you because of Jesus. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show us the immeasurable, there's that word again, riches now not of his power, but of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as a result of your works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you, Jesus, that we should walk in them. So why did God save us? Because of his great love. He loved you. He chose you when you were unlovable and ugly. He chose you when you were a trespasser. He chose you when you were a traitor. He chose you when you were dead in your trespasses. You know that old fairy tale where the prince kisses the dead princess? She comes back to life. Which one is that? Sleeping Beauty? That's gross. First of all, she's dead. That's weird, right? It's, but the heart of it is out of this, is that God took not a lovely, beautiful, perfect-looking princess, but a decayed, broken traitor, dead person. And out of his great love for you, he said, I will send my son to take your place. That this death and decay won't be your full destiny, but instead you will know life and resurrection and peace because of my great power, but because of my love. And he saved us. If you believe in Jesus, he's not destined you for decay and destruction and death. He's destined you for life in him. You're not Sleeping Beauty resurrected into a happy life. You're his child made into a new creation in him with a beating resurrection heart that you are his. And what flows out of that are good works that he has created in advance for you to do. Because we can't forget he's a king. He's a king. And he's taken for himself a bride who will be a queen on the earth who will rule with him. God's salvation is not just for our comfort. Now, it gives us comfort, doesn't it? Peace, wonderful, praise God. But God's salvation is not just for our peace and comfort. It's for the purposes that he's doing through Prince Messiah, our King, that he himself has put in us, his grace, his resurrection life, that flowing out of our now beating hearts is his good work, his character, his life, his grace. Why? Jesus is he who fills all in all. And he's given us his Holy Spirit as a down payment, a guarantee of this future hope that we have. That now, because of God's grace, his power flows out of us, which is the testimony of a raised life. And it's good because God's given us good works to do. What are some good works that we should do them? 
What does God care about? You think God cares about how nice your lawn looks? Sure. He cares about it. Is it as high as on the priority? Not really. Why not? I mean, he cares about his creation. Don't get me wrong. He wants us to take care of the earth. But what does he care about? Pe people. He loves people. And now as we go into Ephesians, look with me for just a moment. And take a look here and starting in verse four, in chapter 4. Turn over to verse chapter 4. In your Bible, what's the heading that you see over chapter 4? Unity in the body of Christ. What's the next heading over, over verse 17? The new life. So starting in verse 17, just scan through that. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. When you see something, if you're bold, you don't have to talk if you don't want to, but if you'd like to, raise your hand. What do you see there? Here's how it starts. Now I say this and testify in the Lord. You must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. And when Paul says Gentiles, he doesn't just mean a people group. He means those people who don't know God, who don't know his resurrection life, who are far away from him, who are worshiping idols. Don't walk that way anymore. You used to walk that way. You're ashamed of those things. Stay away from those things. Walk in the newness of life. But here's what it looks like. What does it look like? What do you see? That's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're confused and full of darkness. So what are you supposed to be like? Clear and full of light. How? Because the Holy Spirit's in you. Because his resurrection life is in you. Because he's given you grace. Put off the old self. The old self with its sinful desires and selfishness. Yes, sir. Ren used to call this chapter... New creation realities. Amen. New creation realities. Amen. In other words, the putting off of falsehood, so we speak the truth. Yes. So instead of corruption, sexual immorality, mm -hmm. we look to purity, we look to building up our neighbor. Anyway, it's the contrast yes. that Paul is showing us Amen. that leads us to new creation realities. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Could everybody hear that? That's good. What are, what are some of the things specifically that you see? Don't steal. Don't steal. Yeah. Instead of don't stealing, specifically he says, verse 28, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work. Why? So he can be generous. So he can share. He can share. He can help. Now, resurrection life is not a heart of selfishness anymore, but a heart of generosity, like God. Yeah. And that, let me tell you, that's the power of God. Have you ever been in an office where somebody figures out the salaries of other people? What happens in that office? Does it go great and everybody's happy? No, why not? Jealousy. People are self-centered. People are selfish. It's the power of God that changes us from being selfish to being generous. Now, I'm not saying you can find out that somebody's making more than you. You don't have to be like, oh, that's fine. No big deal. You can be upset about it. I'm not saying you can't be upset. But Paul even says, be angry and don't sin. There's something different about how we act and how we live. And 
We're four other people and we're trusting God and we're looking to him and there's a spirit of generosity that comes out of us instead of I want it my way and it has to be this. It's different, isn't it? And I'm telling you, that is the power of God that's coming out of us. But we have this paradigm that if I can't make the water cooler move on its own and bring my coffee over to me somehow, that I'm not actually exercising in the power of God. I'm not standing in his power because I have to do these things. Now, there are legitimate spiritual things, like we said before. Casting out demons, praise the Lord. Dominion over stuff, amen. Speaking in tongues, words of knowledge, gifts of healing, gifts of faith. Those are legitimate exercises of God's power, which again is God's grace given to us. But in the normal ways of life, don't discount that the power of God is your testimony. Because in that office where everybody finds out the salaries and stuff, and they all come to the water cooler to gripe and complain, and you stand there and say, you know what? Let's just set some meetings, and we're not going to discuss this. Let's, let's keep peace in the office. You know, I'm going to pray for peace. Lord, bring peace on our office in Jesus' name. Prosper everybody, I pray. Amen. And they're like, what's wrong with you? Aren't you going to go to HR? And you say, yeah, I, maybe. I don't know. I'll talk to the wife, and we'll figure it out. But you know what? The Lord's in charge here. Who does that? Very few. But I'm telling you that testimony is the power of God coming out over a situation where you're speaking righteousness into the situation because you have a resurrected heart, because you belong to him, because you're his, because his, he's the head over this body. He's filling all in all. He's our Lord. It changes everything. And then when a demon shows up, you cast it out. Praise the Lord. Any other things you see? Amen. We are members of one another. There's unity in, a, in the church. Talk that doesn't tear down that builds up. Wow. Wouldn't that be something? Talk that doesn't tear down. Have you had to keep your kids off of social media? Because you know what's out there? Man, what if the church built up instead of tore down? Why? You know, it's in you. It's the power of God. What else? Yes. God forgave us. Amen. And so the prerequisite, of course, is recognition that I've been forgiven much. Yes. And how much easier it is since God forgave me. Amen. To forgive a brother who's done very little or mm -hmm. a pagan person who's done insignificant things compared to God's great forgiveness in my life. Amen. Amen. And you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it doesn't, it's not the first inclination you have to forgive, but the power of God. The Holy Spirit in us, pulling us toward what God is doing instead of our own inclinations. Yeah. All right, here's a list for you. Are you ready? I'm going to go really fast through all of them. Some of them we've said before. Live distinct holy lives. That's what 417 is about. 425 says, speak the truth. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't steal, but rather labor to share. Have no corrupting talk, verse 29. Don't grieve the Spirit. That means don't blaspheme Christ. Always be quick to defend our Lord because He's our King. Don't, don't grieve the Spirit. Have no bitterness or malice, but be kind. Imitate God in love and sacrifice, chapter 5, 1 and 2. Have no sexual immorality, not even a hint of it among yourselves, because we live pure lives. Be in thanksgiving. Don't have crude joking come out of your mouth. Don't be deceived by 
by empty words or associate with those who are in disobedience. That doesn't mean you can't have a friend who's not a believer. That means that if you go a place to a place and you know that this corrupt way of living is going to change your heart and you're going to do stuff you regret, don't do that. Stay away from it. Be a light. Don't fall into the darkness. Discern what is pleasing to the Lord and walk in the light. Wisely use your time. Wisely use your time. You know, that's a challenge today. You know why it's a challenge? Because marketing is trying to make you binge shows. Because video games are designed to make you stand them all day. I, my kids have a video game system, and I saw on their the other day that there's one of the settings they could put it on to play with people around the world, which isn't that cool? Video games are cool. I'm not against video games, just to be clear. But one of the settings you can do on this game, you can talk to people around the world and play the game together, and it's a three-day long match. Three days for that 72 hours of going. And you gotta drop out to sleep, but you can come back in and they keep your place. Three days. But you know, that's, I'm saying that because there's marketing designed at our children that this is what they want. You want to do this. This is going to be good. It's not good. Use your time wisely. Don't be drunk, but be filled with the Spirit. Have melody, thanksgiving, and submission be hallmarks when you're around the believers of God. That you're always giving thanks together. You're submitting to one another. You have melodies and psalms and songs in which you're blessing each other. Have family life be in Christ. In this way, children should submit to their parents. Husbands and wives, your marriage matters in Christ. Husbands should love their wives, and wives should respect and submit to their husbands. And that looks like what the gospel looks like. It doesn't look like heavy-handedness. It looks like love and respect and grace together as a demonstration, a testimony of God's grace. And that is a testimony. If you have a marriage that looks like Jesus... It's a testimony because most people in the world, especially who don't know him, and there's grace from God, don't get me wrong, but marriage is thrown under the bus. You know, I was flying in an airplane with a guy from Quebec, and he was telling me that it has fallen out of favor to get married in Quebec. Nobody gets married anymore. And the Canadian government was offering his daughter and her live-in common-law husband, who's not her husband, a year's salary if they try to have a baby. Because the population is so low, they will pay them a year's salary of maternity leave and paternity leave. And I asked him, I said, how do I become a Canadian citizen? No, I'm joking. <laughs> but marriage is so thrown under the bus that the government in Quebec is trying to have people just have babies. That, that's crazy. Marriage is thrown down. And you know what? It's hard sometimes because God has designed marriage to be iron sharpening iron together. And there's times when God sanctifies you through your wife or sanctifies through you through your husband or sanctifies you through your children, and that's the worst. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments where you see it and you're like, what is that? And the Lord goes, that's you. Oh, darn it. And, you're, and you've got to discipline them, and you're like, Lord, forgive me as I discipline this child. Because God uses these things to make us look more like Jesus. Listen, it's, this is the power of God at work in our lives. Don't discount it. Don't discount it. Slaves and masters, their relationship honors God. Be strong and be armored, and it ends with pray. Pray. Be in him. See his power given to us. Last time I was in Africa, 
I was, uh, this was 2016, I guess. And I was teaching, and one night um, I was going to sleep, and I woke up. I've told you this story before probably, but I woke up like 3 in the morning. I remember looking at the clock, and I just had these crazy dreams. And Abe Medeiros, our friend whose doctor had given, us, uh, had given me malaria pills, and I'm like, man, these malaria pills are messing me up. This is something. And because they said, like, who knows? I don't even know what I'm taking. I'm just taking malaria pills. And so uh, I went back to sleep, and I'm like, that was weird. And I woke up again, and the dreams were just... Um, over-the-top violent, over-the-top weird. And um, unfortunately, in my life, I've seen some things. I used to investigate murders and stuff. So it was over-the-top. And then I was like, man, this is weird. I ate some bad fish. I went to sleep again. And I woke up, and I remember looking at the clock, and it was like 4.10. And this time, the dreams were uh, over-the-top violent about my family. And I just, I just, I woke up, and I was like, this is not right. And I suddenly became aware. I was like, demon? What are you doing? And I'm telling you, demon. And it was, he's messing with me. And I'm, I'm teaching, I'm teaching Bible course. And so I, I sat up in the bed with the mosquito net. And I said, in the name of Jesus, you will stop right now. And then I started a creation. I said, in the beginning, God created the world. He made Adam and Eve. It was good. They failed and sinned. And then... The Lord showed us through Noah that he saved a particular family because the world had become so corrupt, but his, his salvation is sure, and he held that boat in his hands. He showed us through Abraham that he was going to take a family and make a covenant, and as big as the seashores have sand, as many stars are in the sky, that's how many descendants would be in Abraham by faith, and I know that he has included us, and we see that as he's gone forward now. His people went into slavery, and God used Moses and delivered them, and they were delivered from that slavery by the mighty right hand of God. God. He gave them laws. He made them a nation. They were his. They were his people, but they still failed. And God rose up a kingdom out of that. And he made a guy named David who slew the giant Goliath become the king. And that boy became the king. And God made a covenant with him that out of his family, one would come. <clears throat> and that one who would come would deliver us. And then I said, in the kingdom, God sent his son, Jesus. He lived a perfect life. He's God eternal who became a man for us. And he lived perfectly. He did everything the law required. He fulfilled Noah and Abraham and Moses. He fulfilled David. He's David's son. He did all those things. He is God. And yet it was the Lord's will to crush him, to put him to death for our iniquities, that we would be his. But he didn't die. He didn't stay dead forever. He rose again. He has dominion and rule. He's at the right hand. He's God Almighty. He's the Lord forever. And if you put your faith in him, he will cleanse us. Get out. And I took my flashlight. I had one this time for all the geckos and everything. I had my flashlight, and I turned it on, and I half expected to see something there. And there was nothing in the room. And then I was jazzed until class at like 8. I was jazzed. And I took the class outside. And I brought him out, and I sat him down, and I said, I had a demon in my room last night. And they were like, I said, have you ever experienced demons? And a guy named Nicholas, who's an older man, took up his pant leg like this. And he had an imprint like acid burns of a hand on his leg. Because when he was a child, he was sleeping in his hut with his family. And the witch doctor, who was demon-possessed, came and had somehow abilities to sneak in, he would steal children. 
and he took Nicholas. And Nicholas somehow was paralyzed and couldn't speak, couldn't cry out, couldn't fight back, and was being drugged through the woods. And somehow something happened where Nicholas's father woke up. As a, as a young boy, you know, this was happening. So the father woke up, who was sleeping like next to him, and didn't hear any of this happening until he was in the woods. Ran out, tackled the guy. The guy looked at him with this weird eyes and ran away and saved his son. And to this day, has a scar of a human handprint on his leg from when he was drug out. And he said, I've, I've experienced demons. I've experienced them. And I'm terrified. You know, demons do not have power over you. There is power. They have power. Some, not compared to the Lord's electricity. The prince of the power of the air has been defeated. And I'm telling you that in the name of Jesus, the demons flee. And I told the students, I said, if you're ever confronted with a demon or demonic things, just say the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. You shouldn't be ashamed of that gospel. It's the power of God. And that power is demonstrated in Christ's resurrection and in your resurrection in him. So if you just say the gospel, they cannot stand against you. But all of us, all of us, have this thing inside our heads where we think if we had a testimony like Nicholas, if we could say, look at this scar on my leg right here. If we could do that, then, oh, God would really use me. If I had that, if I had a, a story that people wanted, man, I, then I'd know, man, God really did a good work because, uh, you know, I wasn't a heroin addict. I didn't fall out of an airplane and live. You know, God just, like, saved me. I don't know. But I'm telling you, the power of God is the testimony. His power is demonstrated in the resurrection. And now, do not discount the testimony of God on your heart and on your life that you have been raised in Him and that you are His. And those things are out there, but God has given you power over them, not because you control His power, but because He, the powerful one, is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. And as soon as you say the name of Jesus, the Father says, yes? Uh, son? Daughter? Yes? There's a demon here. Oh, pff, get out of here. And suddenly we flip the way we think. Boy, if I could walk down the street and just have words of knowledge everywhere. If my handkerchief had snot in it and it healed people. If I could just walk around and do things. Then people would know, oh, the power of God's with that guy. That's great. But I'm telling you, your changed life, your marriage, the way you treat other people, truthfulness coming out of you, it's the power of God that's demonstrated in your life and your testimony is good. You are a people of power. And Paul prayed that you would see the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And I'm telling you, you're already seeing it. You just don't realize it. You're already seeing it. And even more will happen where we cast things into the sea and f demons flee. Praise God for all that. I want to see people healed. I'd really not like somebody to die in the meeting, but if they get resurrected, that'd be awesome. I want to see all those things, and I believe for it because God's good, and he doesn't change. But at the same time, don't discount that he has already called you. He's already formed you. He's already saved you. And this just the demonstration of truthfulness coming out of you is the grace of his power that's coming forward. Amen to that? So what do you do? 
Read the book of Ephesians. Pray at night. Leave your feet outside the covers and say, come on, demons. Show up. I dare you. And then don't be afraid if they show up because the Lord's training you. He might let one come in. And you say, in the name of Jesus, get out. But remember on Monday morning when all the salaries get released and you're standing there and it's weird and everybody's around the water cooler, what's going to come out of your heart? Is it him or is it your old life? Let's live in that new creation in the resurrection of who he's called us to be. How do you do that? Because he's do he does it. He's with us. We will fail. He will never fail. Amen? Let's pray. Can you stand? Lord, we love you. Thank you, Father, that you've changed our lives. Thank you for your great power in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Lord, where we were dead in our trespasses with no hope, Lord, you by your power rose him and that you scooped us up with him. Lord, by your call, by your love, by your grace, by your predestination, you made us yours. And so, Father, we bow the knee to you. Lord, let only your life, let only your grace, let only your resurrection heartbeat come through us. Lord, we, we confess that sometimes we fall back into those old ways. But Lord, we've taken off the old self because you stripped us of it. But Lord, you've clothed us in your righteousness. Lord, we put on the new self remembering what you've done. Lord, let us see your power demonstrated through us. Lord, I ask you that we would do great things, that we would see healings, that we would see people raised from the dead. Lord, I pray that you would use us to speak the gospel to crowds and nations and kings. Lord, that you would use us to change our city and our state and our nation and this world. Father, I pray that you would use us to do powerful things. Lord, where we cast out demons and we stand on your word and we see people healed. Lord, I ask you for that. But I also ask you, Lord, the testimony of your grace and your power through us. Lord, in marriages. Lord, in sexual purity, in truthfulness, in forgiveness, in love, Lord, in humility, in sacrifice, Lord, in generosity, Lord, we know those are the normal ways. But Lord, let your power ring in us, true, Lord, resounding throughout our community to prove and show that you are our God. We praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week. Lord willing, we'll see you next week or at the Bible study on Friday. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you.